it's wonderful how how the American people display their sportsmanship. Welcome to the Often Daunted Podcast with me, Burke White, where we stand with our favorite MLB team, the Guardians, Captain Jose Ramirez, who absolutely didn't start the fight, but he did proceed to baptize Tim Anderson to the shadow realm, and I hope Tim Anderson can come back a better ball player out there for the sake of uh, all my Sox fans out there. Seems like he's really driving them crazy as of late, and uh, Jose Ramirez sent a message on behalf of Sox fans everywhere. Now, uh, on to some national news for you. All right, the big news for the day, the big news for the week. Uh, Friday, it was announced that Oregon and Washington will be joining the Big Ten. Also, Arizona State and Utah will be joining the Big 12, as the Pac-12 is just entirely eviscerated. Um, Colorado already joining the uh, Big 12. Yeah, just big news for the Big 10, absolutely. What a, what a feeling it must be for these schools. To be one of these schools just praying that your number is called by the Big 10 or the SEC somehow, Pac-12, I don't know how they'd get the SEC, but I don't know why we'd be in the Big 10, but alas, here we are. Money's money. Um, we're going to be playing games in California. We're going to be playing games in Washington, and now we're going to be playing games in Oregon. All that is still left of the sinking ship that is the Pac-12 would be Cal, Oregon State, Stanford, and Washington State, all of which I have to believe would be chomping at the bit at an opportunity to join either the Big Ten or the SEC. Uh, Probably even the Big 12, yeah. Big 12 is, just by uh, keeping up and competing, they're uh, making themselves a pretty nice little conference. Pretty great conference right there. Looks like all four teams will be set to join the conference in August of 2024, as that is right in line with the end of the Pac-12 contract. And as for what this means to the prestige of Big Ten basketball, I mean, UCLA's a big-ass get. We'll take the others as well, but uh, I I wanted to provide a little insight on the history of these four programs, the basketball side of things, and uh, that's what I wanted to do for like my big segment after the break in this one. Um, I just wanted to dive into the four teams, USC, UCLA, Washington, and Oregon, and just uh, look a little at their all-time history in basketball um, and provide just five players from each program to give you a kind of, uh, just give you a sense of the basketball they've watched for their entirety, because these are new programs to us. These are going to be new rivalries that will inevitably come up because that's what happens when you face teams again and again and again. You play in meaningful games that eventually... It creates storylines organically. You can say the distance will be a problem, but by having to play enough teams enough, you inevitably have bad blood. And that's how rivalries are formed, and I I welcome that in the Big Ten. Yeah, so yeah, on the basketball side, we'll get into more of that after the break down the line of this episode. Thank you for sticking in with the Often Daunted podcast. It is me, Burke White, recording here each week in the offseason, just putting out an episode, wanted to provide a little bit of Indiana Hoosier basketball content for anybody who is craving it, as I I am myself. Uh, I appreciate all the other shows out there, Assembly Call, Crimson Cast, uh, Hoosier Hysterics, yeah, just uh, great Hoosier content out there, and uh, this is just me providing my little bit here once a week. Uh, I appreciate the listen. Uh, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review. Reach out to me at Often Daunted on all socials. Thank you so much. That was my little pitch here in the beginning of this episode. So uh, 
we'll continue on discussing that of Big Ten expansion. I, I, I understand how this change could be scary to many. Four teams added in the 2024 year, that's quite an adjustment. There will absolutely be good and bad that comes with this. Championships are going to be few and farther between because there is going to be that much more competition now. Because these teams will be able to compete with the likes of the Big Ten because they wouldn't have gotten the invite if they couldn't. We aren't going to be going out and signing, uh, like Ball State isn't joining the Big Ten tomorrow. No offense to our Ball State, (laughs) our co-workers out there. Love Fonzie. There is the idea of like, yeah, what what, uh, does in exchange with the California fan base now look like with uh, Indiana. Like us Midwesterners, we all kind of have our little flavor with what we're bringing to the trash talk game. We uh, take each other's punches. We know how to dish it. We know each other's language at this point. And it's just interesting to see uh, when we get some West Coast flavor in here, how how the uh, how the dialogue is going to go. If these fan bases, the, the fact that they are invited into the Big Ten, I just hope that they come in with like a fervent pride for the Big Ten. Because you better not have any Pac-12 pride now. Guess what? The Pac-12 is dead. It's a sham. It is done for. You are now the Big Ten. Wear it with pride. I, I don't want any of them begrudging. Now we got to play the Midwest. No. Like, you get to play the Midwest. You're welcome for saving your ass. They were on a sinking ship, and they got to live. Buy in and look to build some rivalries and mix it up with some of us Midwesterners and Maryland and Rutgers. And, of course, I I prescribe to the idea that rivalries will naturally happen. As meaningful games are continuously won or lost by either side, um, amongst frequent foes, it is bound to happen. Organically, rivalries will spring up. Just a little bit more on this. uh, I, I just wanted to take this moment to speak to the United States railroad system. Um, I believe that this, this agreement has shown, shed a light for me personally on just the necessity for an updated rail system here in the great United States of America. Rail travels the shit. If I'm, if I'm riding, I'd rather be riding on rails. Imagine a big 10 train to take you to LA Memorial Coliseum. However, we get those fast trains that we can also move and party on. Uh, you know those trains. A Big Ten train, just taking whoever plays at USC, whoever plays, yeah, whoever plays at LA Memorial Coliseum that week, just train up the fan base and have a time of it. Make make the Cali trip uh, an event for Hoosier fans. Yeah, that was me just pleading for a better rail system. <laughs> Hopefully, our Boilermakers can get on that. Like that, that quick going to space, guys. Do cool shit like that, Elon. Update the rail system. Yeah, so yeah, we'll discuss uh, the uh, four teams basketball programs that will be joining us in August of 2024 um, later in this episode. But uh, yeah, on to some more national news. As Wednesday, it was announced former Iowa basketball player Aaron Eulis has been accused of making approximately 1,850 sporting. I read that all crazy. 1,850 sports wagers. That includes more than 430 bets on NCAA football and basketball games, including at least one Iowa football game. And uh, thanks to Tyler Talkman for sharing that to where I saw it. He gambled while at Iowa, and Aaron Ulis, Ulis uh, just transferred to Nebraska this last offseason. This offseason. Former Iowa and current Nebraska guard Aaron Ulis. Uh, allegedly placed those bets worth $35,000. And this was joining just among other 
Iowa and Iowa State athletes in the ongoing betting investigation. We may potentially see more names to come. I, I honestly am curious if he could potentially lose permanent college eligibility over this. Uh, I mean, $35,000, that's quite a bit. Over 18, that's a lot of bets. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he bet on his own team. I mean, he bet on Iowa football when he can talk to those guys. He knows what's going on. That's a little shady. Yeah, while the, while this is all going down, Aaron uh, this last week did not play with the Huskers in their exhibition series in Spain, but he has continued to practice with the team. Hoiberg uh, said while in Spain, the thing that we need to do right now is make sure that we help Aaron as best as we can throughout this process and see where it goes. Listen, it's a great group of kids and they're going to rally around Aaron and see what happens with it. Which, I mean, that's all you can say really about it right now. I can't imagine it ends well for him. Uh, the, with all the information that the public already has, I mean, they, they, unless there is some something juicy in the details that uh, that headline drastically overlooks of uh, 1850 bets uh, worth 3000 or $35,000, including games involving Iowa. Yeah, this does not look to bode well for uh, Aaron Ulis. Ulis? Why do I say Ulis? This this last week, uh, kind of by surprise, at least surprise to me, Northwestern's Boo Booey is said to now be recovering from surgery on his right hand. Overall, sounds like it came as a surprise to fans, but he should be good and is um, expected, quote-unquote, expected to be back for the start of practice in the fall. It's bad Northwestern news for all those Northwestern fans out there, but, I mean, it's not the worst Northwestern news this week, month. Hey, there you go. Some local Big Ten news for you, if you are one of my Fort Wayne listeners out here. The Purdue-Fort Wayne Dons, the Lady Dons, will be taking on Caitlin Clark in Iowa in the Gulf Coast Showcase in November, um, paired off in the first round of the 18 tournament. That'll be... I mean, I'll tune in, absolutely. Love the Dons. Wouldn't mind seeing Caitlin Clark lose one to the Dons. <clears throat> I uh, I took my younger brother to his first IU basketball game, which was uh, Indiana at IPFW Dons, and we all know how that one went. Uh, just an incredible loss that may have made him a Purdue student now. So, hey, the Dons can do it. The Dons can shock the world. They have before. The Nebraska Cornhuskers added the second-best Ball State player to their roster, us getting the first and Peyton Sparks, as Nebraska adds sixth-year point guard Jerron Coleman. With Ball State last year, he had 14.3 points, 4.9 rebounds, and 3.8 assists per game. He shot the ball at a 35.2% clip from three-point range. And lastly, for news related to our Big Ten brethren out there, uh, some news for our Big Ten brother Rutgers, as the Rutgers-Princeton rivalry is back on. Uh, Monday, November 6th, will mark the first meeting in a decade of Rutgers with their longest-running opponent. Princeton and Rutgers are among the colonial colleges, which are the nine institutions of higher education founded during the colonial era before the American Revolution. Princeton, founded in in 1746 as the College of New Jersey, and Rutgers, founded in 1766 as Queens College. You, I, I do I do love diving into a little bit, of, giving you a little bits of history here on the Often Daunted podcast. The uh, all-time record amongst the team, uh, amongst the two teams, Princeton leads the series 75-45 to 45 in 120 meetings, and the current win streak sit at, sits at one in Princeton's favor, um, having been played in 2013. 
All right, enough with the Big Ten news. I'll, uh, like I said before, a little bit down the episode, I will get into the basketball programs entering the Big Ten. A little bit of history on each. You know, just just show you what they're bringing to the table. What prestige will be uh, following? Yeah, following the Western Wave, I guess. The prestige and lack thereof in some cases. But that'll be right after this Indiana news for you. Number one, right off the bat, Indiana news. Taylor Swift announced she will be playing Lucas Oil Stadium next year. Uh, Tickets are on sale this week. Good luck to anybody trying to get them. I have to imagine that's a headache on par with, you know, just just the absolute worst torture. So um, good luck to those trying to get those. This week, this week, Coach Cliff Marshall tweeted out, uh, Welcome Ja'Kai Newton and Peyton Sparks to the Champions Club. That is the uh, club in which 20 reps or more are hit on the 185 bench press. And he continued, The NBA Combine has used the bench press test to evaluate mus- muscular strength and endurance. Peyton tied the all-time NBA Combine record of 27 reps. The record for Indiana men's basketball was set by Freddie McSwain Jr., uh, at 30 reps. We just got some strong guys on this team. Yeah, nice to see Ja'Kai's getting that upper body work. It is going to take him some time till he's uh, full go in practice, I believe. But nice to see he's getting the work in where he can. And uh, Cliff Marshall's not letting him take it easy at all. He's pushing these guys. Wanted to send props out to our women's side as the ladies absolutely cleaned up in Greece. Beat the Greek All-Stars 120-50 to and the Petrus All-Stars 101 to 36 uh in in the two games sarah scalia was lights out um on 10 at 4 22 shooting from behind beyond the three she would also leave that second game with an injury um here's hoping that she's all right i didn't have an opportunity to dig in and see if anything was released on that uh the fifth year senior will be absolutely needed this season um, speaking of returning faces that will be needed this season, Sydney Parrish led the team with 45 points scored over the co- course of the two showings um, while going 10 for 19 from deep. Um, unfortunately, Mackenzie Holmes was unable to play while still nursing that knee injury. While she was unable to get on the floor, Chloe really shined in her, in her distributing, uh, notching 11 assists and no turnovers for the trip. Overall, the uh, Indiana Hoosiers... Out-rebounded opponents, 163-52, to while forcing 26 turnovers. Awesome that the girls got to do this. Awesome to see that the program gets to do fun stuff like this. I saw that Maryland's playing overseas right now. I believe a few other teams are. Uh, it's got to be cool. It's got to be a nice bonding experience for your program. Uh, just gets, gets, uh, gets everybody's chemistry right to go out and whoop these teams uh, while just having an awesome vacation while doing it. We have some Indiana recruiting news this week. Uh, you wish it was the news that we had a commitment or something solid like that, but uh, I'm going to continue to just throw some names out there for you here week by week. Indiana got some offers out this week, including 2025 center Kai Rogers, the number 68 overall recruit in the 2025 class, the number 10 center overall, 6'10 out of Wauwatosa West High School. First try, good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. First try, Wauwatosa uh, High School in Wisconsin. His current offers include Minnesota, Iowa State, Wisconsin, Marquette, Penn State, West Virginia, St. John's, Georgetown, Florida State, Iowa, Illinois, Ole Miss, and Texas. So uh, big names in the game. Indiana's one of them. We're throwing our hat in there. We'll see how it all shakes out. He's a uh, back-to-the-basket center who dominates defensively, strong wingspan, uh, 
be strong with a wingspan at 7-1. And I hope that the success of TJD can help land guys like this. Back to the basket players can thrive at Indiana, can get drafted at Indiana. Of course, Trace Jackson Davis did some pretty remarkable other things. But, hey, what's to say that doesn't come for Kai Rogers? Come on, join the cause, buddy. We uh, The Hoosiers also offered Kai Rogers' AAU teammate Amari Allen, the number 99 overall player in the 2025 class, and the number 20 small forward. Amari Allen was also teammates with, uh, I believe I mentioned him on last week's episode, Jameer Jones on IMG Academy. And uh, offers headed towards Amari Allen right now are Auburn, Georgia Tech, Mississippi State, Georgetown, Marquette, Iowa, Arizona State, Minnesota, Florida State, West Virginia, Penn State, and Tennessee. Just just two guys in the class of 2025 Indiana's throwing their uh, name in on. So two to keep an eye out on. Um, a little more f- promising <laughs> news at this point uh, per Jeff Rabjohn's uh, national top 40 prospect. And or Boateng, and or Boateng, is talking with Indiana about making an official visit. He updates, uh, we were in his top eight, so uh, we're, we'll be getting that official visit here shortly, and hopefully we can really sell him. Again, we just got to start landing some of these guys here shortly, as a nice, uh, a nice commitment would go a long way in shoring up uh, the roster and our confidence a bit. Um, that being said, why why have anything but faith in Mike Woodson at this point? We continue to head in the right direction. I'm just going to trust his vision. Per Joe Tipton this week, 2024 top 40 guard Jaden Mustaf uh, told him he will announce his college decision on September 14th. So next month we will be hearing if Jaden will be heading to Indiana, Arkansas, Georgia Tech, NC State, Maryland, or Florida State. Also, per Joe Tipton this week, Tyler Betsy, the number 31 overall prospect in the 2024 class, is down to seven schools. That includes Indiana, Duke, UConn, Alabama, Creighton, Cincy, and Villanova. It's some top talent Indiana's getting uh, tied to. Indiana's getting in the ear of. Hope to hear we've landed one of these guys here shortly. Um, keep an eye out on that September 14th date for Jaden. Absolutely. In current Indiana roster news, congratulations to Trey Galloway and Malik Renew, who have officially been named brand brand ambassadors for Merchants Bank of Indiana, based out of Carmel, Indiana. Awesome to see Indiana's get Indiana Hoosiers uh, on the current team getting that opportunity to go make a coin, go make some coin, and uh, yeah, really enjoy college. I imagine. <laughs> this last week, Kevin O'Connor at the Ringer. Uh, listed his top NBA prospects, and he had Kalel Ware at number 21. What he said of Kalel Ware, he said, Ware was an elite high school recruit who attended Oregon for his freshman season, but he struggled to earn minutes and underwhelmed when he did. The seven-footers transfer to Indiana will provide him with a dramatically different role, filling the shoes of All-American Trace Jackson Davis. The hope is that Ware can fulfill his potential as a vertical interior presence by spacing the floor on offense and blocking shots on defense. It all starts with effort, though. Ware needs to play with heart on a nightly basis. The motor was the question. The motor was the question. And uh, Mike Woodson's been able to get these guys to buy into tough love. And I really hope that Kalel Ware can also do that. He's going to tell you how it is, it seems. Maybe each player's case is different, but it's do or die. I mean, it's it's time to put up for Kalel Ware. 
and uh, silence all these haters. Silence all those telling him his motor's slow. He ain't bringing the uh, intensity he needs. We can't do it for him, but man, I can I can really hope for it. Uh, I can really, uh, I, I suspect he feels the pressure to perform, to bring that level of intensity because it's a second opportunity to do so. Uh, while being unable to show it last season, it's time to show it. These NBA guys love these young, these this young talent. And uh, Kalel Ware, 20 years old, still young, still plenty young for the NBA. But hey, just show them that your motor isn't a problem. Like, you have to do that now, I imagine. But then again, he's a unicorn who's able to shoot outside at his size. So I imagine he will also get opportunity after opportunity to show that he can play. But man, just put it together. <laughs> God, I'm rambling. Jesus. Kalel, you got it. He's going to bring the intensity because uh, there's a reason he's coming to Indiana. Hopefully he sees that Mike Woodson can bring something out of him. Or, you know what, for the better, hopefully he knows he can bring it out himself. Here's to Kalel Ware finding that and silencing guys like Kevin O'Connor. Um, telling him that where I mean, he does need to play with heart on a nightly basis, as any player should. As I believe Mike Woodson is going to expect any player in Candy Stripes too. So what better program for Kalel Ware to join to better himself than this Indiana Hoosier program? Just play with heart, please. That's all we need here. Pretty light on the Indiana Hoosier news side. Like I said, I wanted to present the uh, four teams to join us in 2024. Just check out uh, some notes on the history of each um, of the four newbies and mention five players from each program to give you just a general sense of the basketball that they've been exposed to over their history or, you know, lack thereof. That'll be all right after this word from our sponsor. The Often Daunted podcast is brought to you by you guys. I mean... I just wanted to take this moment and this this advertising moment where, I mean, potentially if you wanted to contact me for advertising, it'd be at oftendaunted at gmail.com. Um, but I just wanted to take this moment to thank you guys for giving me a listen each and every week. Um, giving me a subscribe if you have. Uh, it's been fun getting these out each week and I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your day just to hear me ramble on. Yeah, allow, allowing me to get out what would otherwise just be pent up frustration just just bottled and corked up until a new season's tip so thank you so much for listening yeah this this episode goes out to all of you guys thank you all right so introducing each of these four basketball programs into the big big 10 we are talking ucla we are talking usc we are talking washington and we are talking oregon i uh, just wanted to provide a little bit of the uh you know notes on each a little bit of history on each, and uh, five players from each to give you a sense of the basketball that they've gotten to watch throughout their history. So without further ado, let's start with, I mean, the unquestioned blue blood that gets to join the fray, UCLA. Currently under Mick Cronin, and uh, playing in the Pauley Pavilion, which has a capacity of 13,800. They sat at 31-6 and six last season. The all-time UCLA record currently sits at 1,989 to 892 all-time in their 104-season history. Yes, you guys, we are going to be talking big numbers. I'm just, we're just having fun here in the off-season. There's nothing pressing to talk about with with so much time between now and tip. So let's, you know, let's just let's just spin a yarn. Let's just go down. The, let's just go through some notes on. Uh, our new com- competition, our new recurring competition. In that 104-year history, 
UCLA owns records on records in college basketball. They own 11 NCAA titles, 10 of those being in 12 years under John Wooden. They have seven consecutive NCAA titles, which is a record between 1967 and 1973. They have 13 NCAA title game appearances, which is a record. They have 10 consecutive Final Four appearances from 1967 to 1976, which is a record. They have 25 Final Four wins, which is a record. They have 38 NCAA tournament winning streak, 38 game NCAA tournament winning streak from 1964 to 1974, which is a record. They have 134 weeks ranked number one in the AP Top 25 poll, which is a record. They have 54 consecutive winning seasons from 1949 to 2002, which is a record. They have 88 games. They had an 88 games game men's regular season winning streak from the years 1971 to 1974. They also had four undefeated seasons, including that time in in uh, in the years 1964, 1967, 72, and 73. All time against the Hoosiers, the UCLA Bruins currently sit at six and three, with the last matchup being a 54 to 49 UCLA victory in 2007. Wanted to go ahead and shout out a few players from each program, and this would be my UCLA all-time five. Gail Goodrich, uh, point guard. Point guard Gail Goodrich was a key player in establishing US UCLA's dynasty under John Wooden, uh, leading the Bruins in scoring in 1964 and 1965. He was part of the first perfect season in 1964, um, in which the Bruins went 30-0. and and he also led them to the fir- their first NCAA championship in school history. In that 1964 season, he averaged 21.5 points per game. The following season with 24.8. Both of these seasons, Goodrich was named an NCAA All-Tournament uh, team member. And that senior year, he was honored as an All-American. In his final game for the UCLA Bruins, Goodrich led U- UCLA with 42 points in a winning performance in the NCAA championship game against Maryland. Hey, or no, Michigan against Michigan. There you go. You have some Big Ten history right there. And that was them uh, beating Michigan in 1965. Goodrich's number is retired now, uh, number 25. Second player from UCLA to mention. Just wanted to shout out Reggie Miller. He is second all-time in both average points scored in a single season and uh, most career 30-point games. He ranks third all-time in the scoring list with 2,095 points. That is a 17.2 points per game average. He also holds the individual season records uh, of most league points scored and the highest league scoring average of 27.8 points per game in 1986. He uh, never really found great team success while at UCLA, but undoubtedly just a name to mention because he just the impact he's had on basketball as a whole. Third guy I wanted to mention for UCLA was uh, Don McClain. I used to listen to Petros and Money back when the podcast content out there was uh, limited, and he was a frequent guest. Just a great student of the game, uh, an absolute UCLA legend. Started as a freshman and averaged 18.6 points, uh, 7.5 rebounds per game. Uh, he went on to average 20.5 points per game, um, in his ju- and uh, that was his sophomore season. The junior season, he followed up with 23 points per game. Don McLean is... Uh, Currently the all-time leading scorer in UCLA basketball history with 2,608 points. 
and he lays claim to a plethora of other UCLA records, including most career free throws made at 711, most career league points made at 1,486, most points averaged by a freshman at 18.6, most career 20-point games at 68, and most career double-figure scoring games at 123, in which he had 63 straight. 68 straight, sorry. And while that would be enough to make you the absolute legend at any other school, uh, the other two names I wanted to mention on this list, just absolute legends. Uh, Bill Walton, uh, now a Big Ten alumni, Bill Walton. Uh, one of the best all-around centers to play. In the 1972 and 1973 seasons while at UCLA, Walton uh, led the teams that combined a 60-0 uh, record, winning the NCAA championship in both of those years. In his time at UCLA, he would be the Naismith College Basketball Player of the Year from 1972, 1973, and 1974. He would be the USBWA College Player of the Year in 1972, 73, and 74. He would be a first-team All-American in 1972, 73, and 74. And he would be the most outstanding player in the NCAA tournament in 1972 and 1973. His uh, all-time UCLA records include... Uh, most career rebounds at 1,370, second highest field goal percentage at uh, .651, third highest career scoring average at 20.3 points per game, most rebounds in a season at 506, and uh, on that, I mean, Walton had 27 rebounds in a game twice. It's just reasons like this that his number 32 is retired at UCLA now. Uh, one number higher, number 33, also retired at UCLA, and that is for the last player I wanted to mention, which is Lou Alcender. Um, in other words, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, player of the year in 1967 and 1969, uh, first-team All-American in 1967, 1968, and 1969, most outstanding player in the NCAA tournament 1967 through 69, Naismith College Basketball Player of the Year um, 1969. He was the first to win this award. In his three seasons with UCLA, he won the title each of those seasons. In his varsity debut against USC, uh, Lou, at the time, scored 56 points, just absolutely blowing away the competition and showing him why he just was going to be the best player in the NBA. He holds records at UCLA, including most points in a season at 870, highest career scoring average at 26.4 points per game, most points in a single game at 61, most career field goals at 943, and like I said before, his number is now retired for the Bruins. Uh, what what a legacy they're bringing with them into the Big Ten. Um, if, I, if I I could talk an entire podcast about just them, I just wanted to give you just a little scattershot overview of a few guys and a few things regarding each of these programs. There's UCLA. Now we're on to USC. USC is currently in their 10th season under Andy Einfeld. Uh, they play at the Galen Center with a capacity of 10,258. After having a 22-11 and 11 se uh, record last season, the USC Trojans' all-time record was brought to 1,500. Whoa, pretty even. And uh, 1,097 um, all-time. The USC Trojans basketball program lays claim to 25 All-Americans, 14 league championships, one conference tournament title, 16 NCAA tournament appearances, 5 Sweet 16 appearances, 4 Elite 8 appearances, and 2 Final 4 appearances. The last of these Final 4, final four appearances being in 1954, so don't feel too bad, Purdue. 
you you got misery coming in as well. All time, the USC Trojans are one in one against the Hoosiers. Not, uh, you can't really wax, you cannot wax poetic about USC basketball like one possibly could about UCLA. That is the difference between a blue blood and everything else that we're getting in this uh, expansion. On to that, I mean, let's talk about their starting five. Um, they have some old guys. You have like uh, Alex Hannum is one of their historical figures. Who uh, Alex Hannum was uh, first team All Pacific Coast Conference for USC in 1948. He's just a name that I've seen around because he's just a historical figure for them. They didn't have a lot to like really hang their hat on back in the day. Um, so shout out to Alex Hannum. First team, all Pacific Coast Conference in 1948. They have Evan Mobley, who uh, just, I mean, we're talking history here, 2020 to 2021. Uh, he's been one of their best players in history, if you ask me, as uh, the seven foot, just 210 monster, who in his one season at USC, uh, he led the Trojans to the Elite Eight and kind of stopped them being such a joke 16.4 points per game in that season 8.7 rebounds um also racking up 2.4 assists per game just an absolutely impressive player in his time for the trojans next up for the uh, usc trojans players to mention we have harold minor a guard from the years 1989 to 1992 uh averaged 26.3 points in his final season in 1992 it was on the back of this uh, just stellar output that the USC Trojans were able to have its highest NCAA tournament seed ever uh, at number two. We're also going to be mentioning another historical figure in the USC uh, in the USC uh, pantheon, as we have Bill Sherman, guard, uh, who played for USC from 1946 to 1950. He had balled with Bob Cousy in the NBA, and uh, he he is really known for his impact on the NBA as he was a four-time NBA champion, a eight-time NBA All-Star, a four-time All-NBA first-team player, a three-time All-NBA second-team player, and he's had his number 21 retired by the Boston Celtics. In college, he was a consensus first-team All-American in 1950. He was a two-time first-team All-Pacific Coast Conference um, player, and he had his number 11 retired by the USC Trojans. The last player I wanted to mention for the USC Trojans um, headed into the Big Ten in August of 2024. That's why we're talking about this, folks. Uh, I wanted to mention O.J. Mayo, even though they probably would not want me to. You know, he had one season with USC, and there was he was involved in their down— like, I think he was involved in the Reggie Bush investigation, but in his one season for USC, O.J. Mayo was— bi- he was a big deal on the national stage, like he really was. Uh, 20.7 points per game. 41% from behind the three, uh, 3.3 assists per game in that one season. He really did light up the stat sheet, and he made pretty spectacular plays. Uh, just a, uh, yeah. I, I don't, I would like to hear a USC's fans' thoughts on him and his impact on the program. That being said, there's also DeMar DeRozan and Nikolai Vucevic, who both went to USC. Just a little bit on, on the uh, Trojans joining the Big Ten. Now on to Oregon. Oregon now entering their 13th season under Dana Altman. The Ducks will be playing their the Ducks play their home games at Matthew Knight Arena, which has a capacity of 12,364 with a record of 21 and 15 last season. This brought the uh is it Oregon University or University of, University of Oregon? Yeah, I need to know this kind of stuff now. All-time record up to uh 1,753 to 1,408. All-time against the Hoosiers, they are 0-3. Uh, 
with the last meeting being a 68-60 Hoosier victory in 1978. Yeah, a lot of bad blood with these teams, you guys. <laughs> Jesus. It, it, I mean, but like I said, as, as we play them more and more, uh, bad blood will naturally start to boil. One little piece of trivia for you regarding the history of this Oregon program. They won the first national championship to be recognized in 1939, uh, this being their only Final Four appearance until 2017. Other than that one national title, they have eight conference titles, 17 tournament appearances, seven Elite Eights, and 11 All-Americans they can claim. Looking to throw out some of the names that, uh, some of the players you could highlight on uh, Ducks teams of old. We have Aaron Brooks who in his four years between 03 and 07, he averaged 17.7 points. He was drafted by Houston with the 26th overall pick. You know Aaron Brooks. Other players, we have Ron Lee. The 6'4 forward played for the University of Oregon between 1972 and 1976. Ron Lee is still the all-time leading scorer for the University of Oregon with 2,085 points in his four seasons of play. He ranks second in career assists with 572 first in field goals with 838, and fifth in free throws with 409. 409. He was first-team All-Pac-8 in all four seasons with the Ducks and made numerous All-American lists during his final three seasons. Lee was inducted to the Oregon Sports Hall of Fame in 1998. Ron Lee had went on to become the NBA Steals Steals leader in 1978 after being picked 10th overall by the Phoenix Suns in the 1976 NBA draft. More recent Ducks to fly. Uh, We have Luke Ridenour. Took the Ducks to the tournament twice, including the Elite elite Eight. I said it like an Australian. Including the Elite Eight in 2002. (laughs) He lays claim to the the single-season assist record for the University of Oregon with 218 and he set a conference record at 62 free throws made uh, consecutively. Following his junior season and a Pac-10 Player of the Year season at that, in 2003, he went to the NBA where he was drafted by the Seattle Supersonics, there you go, uh, 14th overall. Two more ducks for you. The next one being Peyton Pritchard, 2016-2020 to guard. This guy lays claim to a lot for the uh, ducks. He has the all-time assist. He is the all-time assist leader with 659. He is second in career steals with 211. He is the 2020 Pac-12 Player of the Year, first-team All-American that year, and he was picked 26th by the Boston Celtics in the 2020 NBA Draft. Peyton Pritchard, not even that old of a player. You guys know of him. I mean, if you, for all that Pac-12 ball you've been watching, I guess. So I guess not. The last name on. In just, you know, in the record books for the University of Oregon, I wanted to mention Kalel Ware, who currently sits at number nine in Oregon history, four blocks in a single season with 45. I uh, just wanted to really take a t- take the time to shine, shine a light on a uh, duck great. Now a Hoosier great. Let's go. Oh, God. This is trudging along. <laughs> <laughs> Last one, Washington, guys. I promise we'll get out of here. Five seasons under Mike Hopkins uh, at this point. Their home games are currently played at Heck Edmonds- Edmondson Pavilion, which has a capacity of 10,000. The Huskies boast one Final Four appearance in 1953. Uh, this is four Elite Eights, last being that Final Four appearance in 1953. Seven Sweet Sixteens, last being in 2010. 
And yeah, it's been a long, tough battle for the Washington Huskies in the Pac-12 as far as basketball goes. 1953 is tough. Um, that being said, I mean, what's, the Huskies have a lot of NBA talent out there. I wanted to take it. Yeah, mention a few guys. NBA talent and college talent. As uh, Let's start with Markel Fultz. You guys, they, they had to sit through the Markel. I'm sure some of them watched the Markel Fultz saga that followed at, at his time at Washington. I bet he was well-loved. I bet he was well-appreciated. And uh, in his time on campus, he uh, led the Huskies, I will say. He led them to a 9-22 and record. But as a freshman that season, he had one of the single best seasons in Pac-12 history. In 25 games, he had 23.2 points per game which is the highest mark among the Pac-12 in 20 years, and was the second in Huskies history behind Bob Hubris, Hubregs. He was named to first-team All-Pac-12 that year, and uh, he would show enough to become the first overall pick in the 2017 NBA draft. You, you have to mention a first overall pick if you're going to talk the history of these programs, especially when there's not much history for the University of Washington basketball team to, to claim. A little history they do have to claim, though, is Bob Hubregs, who I mentioned before. Holds the single-season scoring record with 846 points, 25.6 points per game mark for him. That was in the 1952-1953 season, which was highlighted by a 49-point performance against Idaho. And uh, it is just performances like these. He has three of the top five highest-scoring outputs for the Huskies basketball program. He had, in that 1952-1953 season, he had a 49-point night, a 45-point night, and a 42-point night. And I just really like to include him on this list because he is a Naismith Hall of Fame winner, but he is also a Fort Wayne Zollner Piston between the years 1954 to 1958. Second Husky I wanted to mention is Isaiah Thomas, and not that one, the other one. Uh, I wanted to mention the Celtic phenom Isaiah Thomas. As a true freshman, uh, Isaiah Thomas averaged 15.5 points for the Huskies, 2.6 assists, and 3 rebounds. He was named the Pac-10 Freshman of the Year, and as a sophomore, he... Uh, <clears throat> made sure those stats climbed as he averaged 6.9 points a game, 3.2 assists, and 3.9 rebounds, uh, in which that season he was selected to the All-Pac-10. Following year, same story, and really put, a, put enough out there to declare for the NBA draft following his senior season. Uh, foregoing his final year of college eligibility, he really put it out there. In his time, he was a AP Honorable Mention All-American in 2011, a two-time first-team All-Pac-10 player, like I said, uh, second team All-Pac-10 in his freshman season. He was a two-time Pac-10 tournament MVP in 2010 and 2011. And his number two is retired by the Washington Huskies. Another Husky to wear number two, and part of the reason that I believe it is also retired, I believe these guys, it was retired on both their behalfs, is Nate Robinson, UW legend. Is it UW? Two-time first team All-Pac-10 player uh, in 2004-2005. Pac-10 all-freshman team in 2003, he was originally there on a football scholarship at cornerback. Um, that being said, a freshman scoring 13 points per game on your basketball team that is there on a football scholarship is a nice asset to have back in those days. Um, from there, he only got better and ended up foregoing his senior season, much like Isaiah would do in the years to come. And he would end up being drafted in the first round in this millennia, despite being uh, foot nine. Just an absolute boss. Nate Robinson's teammate, also a name to mention, is Brandon Roy. Consensus first-team All-American in the year 2006. Pac-10 Player of the Year in 2006. 
first team all Pac-10 in 2006, and his number three is also retired by the Huskies. In his time in his four years at Washington, he scored 1,477 points. As a senior in 2005 to 2006, he averaged 20.2 points per game, scoring 20 or more points 19 times. He also led UW in assists per game at 4.1 and blocked shots 26 that season. Lastly, the Husky 2 highlight. Pacers own Detlef Shrimp. While at UW, uh, Detlef led the Huskies to two Pac-10 titles in consecutive NCAA tournament appearances, including a Sweet 16 run in 1984. A first-round NBA draft pick, Detlef played 11 years in the league, winning the sixth-man award twice. Just wanted to give you a little background scatter shot. Uh, did I say their record? Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Uh, UW's all-time record against us. Indiana is 3-1 and one against the Huskies with our last meeting coming in the year 2013. Can't wait to... These series are going to take some drastic shifts in who dominates them pretty quickly. It's going to be fun to keep track of out of the gate. Thank you guys so much for listening. I, uh... I'm going to give you a really quick, <laughs> I don't, I, yeah, we, we, we've talked a little bit uh, Big Ten history now that we're talking our West Coast initiates here, so I'm not going to get you with just the normal long Hoosier history hit. I just wanted to give you a little, just a little history dab, just a little, little, little taste, and uh, just say that on this date in the year 1908, if you are listening to this on August 7th, the Fisher and Bradshaw Company of Delphi, Indiana, built the first school bus called the school hack it was a closed body drawn horse uh, it was a closed body horse-drawn wagon hey you, so while you aren't going to get your normal hoosier history hit this week there you go a little bite-sized one for you thank you so much for listening to this episode of the often daunted podcast i will be here next week as i was last week as i was the week before as i was the week before i don't miss them so you can count on me to give you another episode here next week so please feel free to subscribe if you like the show and want to feel free to re- reach out to me <clears throat> at Often Daunted on all socials. Wherever you are out there networking your socials, I'm there at Often Daunted. Feel free to uh, reach out to me. Thank you so much. Have a great week, Hoosier fans. Take care of you and yours. God bless.